0: Welcome to Step Up and Thrive, where you get quick and easy tips on business management, productivity, stress management, work-life balance and marketing. I am Thuli Bakshi, personal development coach, and my task here is to introduce you to various ways to succeed in business by keeping the sanity. Hi, welcome. Today we are speaking about risk and my guest is Becky Paros. With 30 years in construction, Becky Paros has worked on some of the most demanding projects in Australia. Through childhood trauma, chronic disease and the vast challenges of her career, Becky has never accepted anything less than surpassing her goals. She provides coaching and mentoring and is a published author as well as being an accomplished presenter. Welcome, Becky.
1: Thank you for having me, Tule.
0: You started your career in the industry of engineering and construction. In this industry, there are mostly men working. How was it for you?
1: It was very much male-dominated. I started... 30 years ago, which gives you an idea of my age, um, and uh, yeah, was very clearly told that this was not for women and that I didn't belong, um, and a lot of other associated negatives with me being there, but I was studying engineering, and I was I was fascinated by the concept of construction and how things were built, and it was kind of this whole different world to the one that we're raised in, where we just, you know, take buildings for granted, like they appear magically. Um, and so I stuck by it. And yeah, here I am several, several, several years later, uh, leading teams on $500 million projects, uh, winning awards and doing a lot of mentoring for, for young women and business owners in that space to encourage them and support them to step up and take leadership and ownership of their careers so
0: you worked in the construction area and now you are professional mentor and writer can you please share your journey how you you became professional mentor
1: well i always i kind of it's one of those things that the blokes Don't like to feel, you know, they're not good at communicating necessarily in ways that are educational, you know, and particularly in construction where it is very busy, it's very dangerous, you know, yelling is sort of a a basic mode of getting things done. So. As the industry grows and as the projects get bigger and the intensity grows, there's a need for someone to take some of the younger people under their wing and kind of guide them and give them some basics because albeit you do four years of study to become an engineer, you honestly do not learn what you need to know when you get out on the sites and see things actually happening. You you understand how to learn and you understand why you do certain things for compliance or because of the standards you're building to. But there's a lot of knowledge you only get through being in the industry, on the on the ground, in the field. And so I just kind of, as the token chick, um, which is an Aussie word for female, uh, I, um, I kind of got handed, oh, here's some graduates, you know, here's some young people. We don't really know what to do with them, but, you know, make it so that they're useful. Um, and, of course, the graduates weren't told that. They were just kind of, oh, here's a graduate program. And so I found that I was kind of given that role whether I wanted or not frequently. In addition to that, I always thought of myself as math-oriented, most engineers are, but I was also tasked with most of the writing, again not realising that that comes down to a lot of the guys from my generation and earlier didn't finish their education. They went and worked on sites when they were 14 and 15 and they didn't necessarily learn how to read and write and all those things and I had a university education so that I knew how to craft, um, you know, formal documents and things like that. So I often also found myself being the one to write the business plan or the, the monetary request, or the extension of time, and all these documents that make up the project world, project plans, procedures, how-to. So, when you get a bunch of young graduates who don't know how to do anything, the best way is to write down how to do things, and then they have something to refer to, so they don't keep coming back and asking you, because that gets pretty tedious after the, about the fifth time. Um also kind of demonstrates they're not learning very well so you give them a resource so as a result of sort of those two things combined i ended up probably being in that mentor and writing space very early in my career and kind of it just kept going because obviously once i've done it once everyone's like oh you've got that on your cv great you can do that for us this time so as i changed jobs the groups got bigger the writing got bigger um to the point where, I'm, you know, I'm capable of writing full compliance systems for safety and for environmental management and QA, quality management, quality control. Um, and so about 10 years ago, I got approached to write uh, uh, some information and, and to add and talk about my leadership journey in um, some anthologies. And that sort of process, I was kind of exploring outside of my industry, realizing I didn't actually know a lot of females. Um, And so I was kind of expanding my circle and and doing all that sort of stuff. When you get to sort of 30s and take stock of your life, you kind of go, what's missing? Let's go grab some of that. Um, So I was attending small female-centric conferences, and it came to my attention that a lot of what I knew wasn't common knowledge. Um, In some ways, it was rather rudely thrust in my face. In some other ways, it was kind of gently discussed. Um, but at the end of the day, there were women who kind of, you know, when I talk about risk management or using a risk based approach, just looked at me going, what, what are you talking about? And so I sort of found this gap, I guess, of business minded, um, processes that could be really helpful to women if they only had access to them. And so that's where I've done a bit of writing. Um, so I've done a, I've got a, an anthology. Um, words of Beck and it's got a lot of that sort of leadership and self-coaching and guidance because everyone's like well how did you do it I'm like well if I put it in a book more people can access it and so the very first piece of creative writing outside of my industry I wrote was in fact how to use risk management as an approach to your life and wider than sort of the the approach that's used within um, the construction industry. And I've just kind of got the bug then. So, you know, now I do lots of writing for magazines in that space, um, blogs, guest writing, all that sort of thing, in addition to all sort of the technical writing I do. It's really fascinating,
0: uh thing what you've done. And being engineer, I'm I'm totally yes, I'm fan of all the project management and planning and writing applications. So it's it's sort of like nice mixture between this being organized and having this creative urge to put everything on paper. So yeah.
1: And I find it really useful. I just I did a talk recently on using project management to actually publish and develop a book, because it's a great, like you said, it's a great framework. It's not, it's not strict and rigid, but it kind of gives you boundaries and and compartmentalizing portions so that you have this way of organizing but without being overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, it is. It's a really useful skill. So I'm hoping um, that some of my words and some of my writing will actually start to translate that into more useful. Ways uh, for women to use in a, in a broader sense. You know, I often talk when I do mentor my young ladies, talk about your project managing your life, you know, the same as you use those project management skills in your job, actually use that approach to life and sort of, you know, de-risking and making sure you've got the right people around you, which is a HR component and procuring what you need, which is not just skills but motivation and people and, and knowledge and all that sort of thing. And, yeah, it's, it's a really useful way of getting them to understand that they have power and autonomy over their own lives instead of just being subject to the the whims of what life throws at them.
0: Mm. And we came here to talk about risk. How can we see a risk as a part of a business as such?
1: So I think risk management is a really useful skill for particularly for women who get in that overwhelmed space Risk is a way of breaking down things into their, into smaller components so that there's not this massive stack of things. Um, in one of my writings, I sort of talk about, and I, and I saw a woman do this, she, she spilled coffee on a shirt and sort of escalated from this coffee spill, which admittedly is unpleasant, but not necessarily world-ending. But in her mind, that sort of escalated through very quickly her not getting to work on time, getting sacked or um, fired from her job to her kids being on the streets and not being, you know, able to to fulfil the education and going to jail and drug addicts. And, you know, she sort of escalated through this whole life cycle of things that was going to happen. She didn't have kids, by the way, um, which sort of made it a bit more extreme in my eyes <laughs> to kind of, you know, be having that process when she didn't even have kids, all because of a coffee spill. And that was where I kind of went you could really use some risk management <laughs> because risk breaks down the initial problem, which is a coffee stain, and then kind of looks at that really practically and kind of, you know, the consequences of that are nothing in the realm of where she went. So sort of interrupting that overwhelm and escalating of emotion pattern to draw it back and go, okay, for the first, the first thing I sort of asked her when I was sort of going through this process with her was, um, have you ever seen a man sacked for a coffee stain on his shirt? No. Well, then why do you think it would apply to you? And, yes, we all know there's different standards, but, you know, at the end of the day there are rules and regulations about how you can be removed from a job and a coffee stain is not necessarily one of them. Um, And I kind of went, have you ever seen a man kind of escalate his emotions to that extent because he dropped coffee on himself? Um, Well, no. Um, so, So why are you putting all this burden on yourself and your future children Um, because of this coffee stain. Like, yes, as women, we like to look neat and, you know, it's uncomfortable and unpleasant for a while and it looks a bit messy. But at the end of the day, if you're doing your job and achieving what you need, that's not something that's going to cause your life to instantly collapse the way she kind of envisioned. So it was was one of those eye-opening moments of how we, as women, tend to put so much pressure on ourselves from one event And so the idea of risk is taking that one event and looking at it from a a different perspective is, you know, how likely is this scenario playing out to occur? It's not very likely. Are those consequences real? Not really. So the whole, and there's, there's there's equations and charts you can do with risk to kind of meet that likelihood and consequence on an axis and what that means is that's a very low outcome for that for the for that risk so it's not something that needs time space or energy spent on it another way i kind of describe risk is is we all wear seatbelts in a car and that's become very common and normal in fact it's legislated in most places around the world and there's a reason for that and it's a risk control So the risk is that if we have an accident, we're going to get thrown through the car window and have a very unpleasant time of it, if not die. So the seatbelt is that control to prevent and minimise the danger of that risk. And that's what we're doing when we look at risk is we're kind of looking for how can we minimise, how can we mitigate, how can we control that element to its lowest form so that it doesn't have this overwhelm or this impact or this life-changing occurrence about it. And that's why I say for women to look at it, it can be really useful. One, you have something to refer back to when you get into overwhelm and kind of these emotions bubble up and you kind of start to pile everything on top. You can go back to something that you've kind of got to remind you, actually, it's just this. Then you have, you know, potential controls in place to kind of go, oh, well, this happens. Um, You know, as, as women, we all know, we've got a spare blouse, we can wear something different, we can throw a jacket over the top, we've got blazers and scarves and pins and, you know, all sorts of things we can accompany that coffee stain and or, and or cover it with. So there's a myriad of risk control or mitigation measures for that, you know, coffee stain risk. And if we look at it beforehand and before that risk happens, then we're actually even better prepared for when it happens. So instead of this escalation and this overwhelm, we have this, oh, wait, I've actually looked at that risk and I've actually got some things in place. And we just go and do that and then we kind of get on with our day. Because also, as we know, when something like that happens, we also have a tendency to let it determine what the rest of the day looks like. And everything is sort of filtered through that coffee stain, as it were, and it comes out a little dirty and smelly. Um, Whereas if we can kind of stop that process, then the rest of the day can be more than what you anticipated and you'll see opportunities that were there that perhaps you won't see through the filter of that coffee stain. Um, and, you know, that's why I guess I'm pretty passionate about getting the message of risk and not being afraid to look at it um because it actually gives you power back over your life you know when when things happen and we feel a loss of control and a loss of power using risk management techniques actually allows us to get back in control and back in power and have some sense of management around that event even if it is truly out of our control
0: thank you and it was really great example of of one coffee stain to your kids into jail
1: it, look, it sounds extreme, but this woman literally did this. And that's why I was just like, hang hang on a minute. Come on. This is, this is, you don't need to do this to yourself. You know, be kind to yourself. Be gentle. Stop all this pressure that is completely unnecessary on yourself um, because, you know, an accident happened. Yeah.
0: You have mentioned that risk should be our friend. Can you please tell more about this one for most of entrepreneurs it's it's like what nobody want to take risk nobody want to to do anything risky why should i keep it as a friend
1: because you can anticipate um you can plan all the things I said before—you know—it gives you some control and 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 management over things when they happen. But if you're actually in a risk framework, what you will start to do is actually see things before they occur. <clears throat> now, the good thing about that is you will also start to see opportunity. So when you're looking for risk, you're looking for things that are going to deviate from the path. So you know this is your this is your assigned path. This is your business plan. This is this is the the, the steps you have chosen and documented. You're going to take to achieve a goal. So, if you're focused on the future of that goal and those steps in a risk framework, not only are you looking for things that can knock you off that path, but while you're looking for them, you'll see things that might knock you off that path onto a better path, because not all risk is negative, you know, and and people talk about, oh, not taking risks, but that's why there's high-risk investment. With great risk comes great reward, And so the bigger the risk, particularly in a financial environment, sometimes the bigger the payout. And that can happen in business too, not necessarily in a financial sense, but in a sense of, you know, someone crosses your path and throws out a statement that leads you to come up with another, uh, another product idea or another concept that sort of isn't in the market but would fill a gap. Because you're in that space of looking for things that might deviate you from the path, you'll often see things that might positively deviate you from the path. And so having that open mindset gives you the opportunity not only to see problems before they come and actually put measures in place to control and mitigate, like we've talked about, it actually allows you to see opportunities that you can maybe get in on early and make plans around to take advantage of. So if you're, you know, if you're speculating on the market, that's what people do. They look at sort of what's happening and look at patterns and make predictions based on those patterns for what might occur in the future. And then make bets, essentially, um, which is buying and sharing and trading in stocks for that potential gain. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We do the same in life. And if we do the same in life and get comfortable with it, we will find that our tolerance for risk actually grows and is a bit more flexible like a muscle so we know when to exert it and when to rest it. And so I think when I say risk is your friend, It not only can save you from a lot of overwhelm and sort of, you know, being mired in problems without kind of knowing how you got there, you can actually find yourself in opportunities and take advantage of them when you find yourself there.
0: So the idea is not to stay in status quo and not to do anything different, but really checking out what would be this possibility for you and your business to grow.
1: Correct. Yes. It's all about possibilities. And possibilities can be negative or they can be positive. And if you're, like I said, in that space, you're seeing both.
0: Mm, Thank you. This is really, really great insight. And now it's time for our quick tip section. And this is something what we do regularly on our podcast. And my question is, what is your biggest revelation about risk?
1: My biggest revelation about risk is that looking at risk does not make it happen. And I think that's where fear and risk come in. A lot of people don't want to spend time fearing and thinking about the thing they fear because they believe they will call it to them. You know, what you focus on is what you get. There's a lot of nuance around that in coaching spaces and things like that. But risk and fear are not the same thing. Risk is a practical process of looking at what could go right and what could go wrong. Fear is allowing the emotion to overtake you and create stagnancy and lack of movement. So determining between the two and realising that focusing on risk does not make risks happen I think is probably – I think a really good statement to sort of make now that we've discussed it and if anyone's still not sure, looking at it and planning for it and having controls in place does not automatically mean you have to, but it means you will be ready should it happen.
0: Thank you so much. Those were really great tips for everybody to implement mm. in their life and business and, and yeah and if our listeners would now like to know more about you and follow you where can they do so
1: so my um, my handle is words of beck b e k uh, so that's on instagram and my website is au remember the au i'm an aussie Um, and it must be vastly different time and temperature from where you are to where I am now. Um, You can find me in a couple of Facebook places. Words of Beck is what you'd be looking for. And, um, yeah, I'd love for anyone to reach out and tell me, you know, what they got out of this talk or if they'd like to know more. This is one of the key things I offer mentoring and coaching in because I think it's a really key skill that women, once they grasp, can can use to grow and expand so much beyond um, their, their current confines
0: and i know that you are open to short chats with people so that they could get more
1: yes, i usually do between 30 minutes and an hour uh free i suppose complimentary um before anyone so we can kind of they can see if they work um with me and i work with them and and all that sort of thing i i don't instantly charge the minute you say hello
0: thank you so much uh becky for coming to the podcast it was really Great to speak with some other engineer. And it was, it was nice to to hear all those valuable tips.
1: Nice to find another engineer on the other side of the world who has similar experiences and, and can relate. Like there's, there's not enough of this yet and anything I think we can do to encourage young women to look at engineering and STEM and getting out there in construction and discovering what an amazing world it is, I think, you know, there should there definitely should be more of that. So it's been my absolute pre- pleasure. Thule, to, I think, I don't think I've got it quite right there. Um, but, yeah, it's been my pleasure to have this discussion with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Come and check all the show notes and transcript at stepupandthrivepodcast.com slash 26. Thank you for joining Step Up and Thrive with Becky Paros I am your host, Tuli Barksy. Tune in in two weeks.